Hi, this is Chad Dull. Welcome to my Poverty Informed Podcast. So lots of us are thinking about back to school. Uh, it's been challenging professionally to know what that means. It's been challenging personally to know what that means. Um, I have two kids at home. One is college age and decided to transfer back and take classes online. Uh, my younger child, my son, is a sophomore in high school and after lots of deliberation will start his year online too for at least the first semester. Um, those are not easy decisions. Uh, I know a lot of people on my social media often seem to think they are because health-wise there's a lot of benefit to it. But I understand there's consequences too and um, these are not easy times. I'm actually kind of a fan of my son's approach. Uh, my son is not a school fan uh, but he was advocating for a funded gap year for K-12 students uh, which actually makes more sense when you get into his details. Anyway, this week um, I thought I'd share something that actually I wrote back about two weeks into this whole pandemic situation that seems to still apply today. Um, as we head into a fall where all of us are having to make decisions which really only have questionable options and least bad choices, um, it's trying to figure out what all that means. Uh, and I was rereading something I wrote on March 27th that seems to resonate uh, today, uh, which maybe is a little sad because we haven't changed the world much in these five months. Anyway, this time I'd like to share something with you called Poverty Informed Practice in Higher Education. I'm scared of the new normal. So if you listen to my podcast regularly, you've met my friend Sarah. I've been thinking a lot about her during recent weeks as we've all had to retreat due to this pandemic. I know she's safe, but she's home alone and she just became an online student even though she didn't want to be. We chat on Facebook, but I worry she's isolated and isolation isn't good for anyone, but maybe Sarah more than most. Sarah has a gift for connecting with people, so being unable to go to church or help people who are homeless, which is her great passion, or attend school in person is really hard for her. So I'm thinking about Sarah, but I'm thinking more today at least, about what she's taught me. And I'm afraid the world might lose that lesson when we come out of our current crisis. I have this dream of co-presenting with Sarah around the country on the realities of poverty and how it intersects with education and everything else. I want to do this work with her because she's been one of my great teachers. And what she's taught me more than anything is the power of proximity. I've written about it before. I think I've even podcasted about it. But I'm afraid our current circumstances are going to cause us to lose the importance of this fundamental need to fight poverty. Sarah's my friend, but we are certainly different. Uh, I'm old enough to be her dad for one thing, and we grew up differently. I grew up in kind of a mix of situational and working class poverty, and Sarah grew up in much tougher circumstances. I always knew in theory there were different kinds of poverty, and they impact people differently. But Sarah made that theory real for me. Sarah's a person of deep personal faith, and I am not, but she's never given up on trying to fix that flaw in me. 
Where Sarah really started to change things for me was when we started talking about how to work with the people around our campus who were homeless. I wasn't sure where to start, but Sarah knew them, and she made sure I did too. She took me and others to the hospitality house, right next to the administrative center at my old college. We didn't go to volunteer, we just went with my friend Sarah to meet people. We went to be in proximity to the truth of their stories and their humanity. That trip led to joining Sarah at a place called Sacred Grounds, a coffee sanctuary where she also helped people who were struggling. I often went to Sacred Grounds with my friend Mandy, and actually people began to think we might be Sarah's parents. I'm not exaggerating one iota when I say being in proximity to the people Sarah knew changed everything for me. Never again have I walked past someone on the street without making eye contact and saying hello if it seemed appropriate. Sarah connected me to people in such a way that I didn't even notice how my colleagues looked at me during a trip to Nashville when I gave my leftovers to someone living on the street and engaged in a brief conversation. My colleagues are good people, but Sarah had changed my worldview and I forgot my behavior might catch my colleagues off guard. I even sent Sarah a note that day thanking her for making me a better person. My friend putting me in proximity to people living outside my norms was powerful. So of the many things I'm terrified of during our pandemic, one of the greatest is we will lose our ability to relate and connect. I see it happening already. I was at Walgreens a week ago and I noticed a man sitting by the door. I was emotionally overwhelmed at the contrast between me stocking up on medicine and him appearing to have nowhere to go. I stopped, as has become my habit, said hello, and asked if he needed anything. He declined and settled down next to the building. I watched several other people walk by him and steer clear and do everything they could to not see him. We cannot lose the ability to see one another. This feels like the danger to me as we have to practice physical distancing. I refuse to say social distancing because we must still engage socially with whatever tools we have. I cannot stop thinking about the societal divisions becoming more apparent in these times. Some of us can stock up on groceries and retreat to our homes in relative safety, while others are losing jobs, homes, health care, or more. The thin nature of the fabric holding our society together is being exposed. Even in my industry of higher education, we know the changes we're having to make will leave the most vulnerable more exposed than ever. We try with every tool we have, but we are forced to provide online courses to people who go home to places with one device shared between children and adults all trying to go to school, if they're lucky. If they are less lucky, we're stuck with giving them advice like, the Wi-Fi is still accessible from the parking lot or next to the building. If you ever wonder why the community and technical colleges were the last ones to close, it's because our mission is to serve exactly the people being hurt most directly. Even our best solutions are inadequate, and I'm afraid if we lose proximity to these stories, we will forget and we will go backwards. I'm worried about the fragility of my friend Sarah who's been battling the crisis of poverty herself as long as I've known her. I'm worried she doesn't have what she needs to succeed in school because switching to online is a struggle. I'm worried her teachers won't have proximity to her like I was lucky to have 
and they won't understand how remarkable she really is. I'm worried, in a world of typed communication, Sarah's syntax and grammar will obscure her giant heart and her desire to change the world. I guess I'm just really worried the loss of proximity we are all being forced to endure will separate us in ways we may not recover from. I'm afraid distance makes detachment too easy, and people will retreat into their own struggles and assign blame to choices they don't understand. That blame can lead to judging. And as my friend and mentor, Dr. Donna Beagle, always says, if you are judging, you cannot connect. If you cannot connect, you cannot communicate. And if you cannot communicate, you cannot break poverty barriers. For those of us worried about poverty barriers, this loss of proximity is terrifying. This crisis will pass. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but I trust those who are when they say we are going to go through hard times before it passes. I'm not dismissing what's to come, but I am thinking about what comes after. We will have choices. We will be able to choose to retreat further into a world of those who have and can protect themselves and those who don't have and suffer greater and greater consequences. We can call it the new normal and say there's nothing we can do about it. This kind of detachment is a vision of the future which feels far too likely and scares the heck out of me. I have always believed human nature is fundamentally good. And times like this will put my belief to the test. We do have another choice. We can realize how interconnected we all really are, just like my friend Sarah has always known. We can realize our fate is only as good as the fate of those with the least among us. We can stay in proximity, emotionally, if not physically, and we can just do better. So when the next virus comes and we have to retreat to our safe spaces to take care of each other, we can feel like there are spaces for all. And we can feel like we aren't leaving our most vulnerable students with inadequate tools to make the changes they are working so hard for. So I'm afraid of the new normal if it means I forget the lessons my friend Sarah has taught me. I promise her I won't forget, and I'm challenging you to not forget either.